I don't know how many of you were here last week, but last week uh, we talked about how if we've been saved by the grace of God, then we should be a servant of God. You know, we we didn't be saved just to be saved. We are born again to be a witness to what Christ has done for us and in us. You know, we're here to witness for God. We should be a servant of God and willing to tell other people about the grace of God instead of the wrath of God. You know, a lot of people, we talked about this last week too, you know, they avoid coming to church because, you know, the only thing they feel when they come to church is condemnation or judgment. And uh, that's not why Christ came at all. Christ came to forgive us and lead us out of a lifestyle of sin into a life of serving the living God. And, uh, you know, we had two examples last week in Scripture, and I want to share those with you again uh, before we get started tonight. But one of those examples is telling us how a servant of the Lord should witness and should lead somebody to Christ and help them escape the snare of the devil. And the other example that we looked at last week, uh, it only causes destruction. You know, it tears down the church. It leads people away from Christ instead of to Christ. So I want to go over those, go over those again real quick before we actually get into tonight's message. They actually go along with it, but <clears throat> they're not the message tonight. But uh, last week... The first one, the first example we had, how we should lead people to Christ, was in Second Timothy chapter two, and verses twenty-four through twenty-six. And like I said uh, last week, you know, if you have been saved by grace, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, then we are a servant of God, uh, and we should be a witness. So this is not just talking about just preachers; it's talking about anybody that has given their life to Christ. In verse 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. We talked about that last week. We shouldn't argue with people. We shouldn't uh, war with people or debate with people. We should just simply offer the love of God to them and be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And this is the reason why, in verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And we talked about last week, you know, we should see lost people for what they are. They, they're just like I was before Christ. We are being held captive by the devil. And uh, Jesus Christ is our way out of that. And uh, you know, nobody's going to come to Christ if they think they're going to be judged or condemned for coming to Him. So we've got to be gentle and patient and use ourselves as an example. You know, what God did for me, He will do for you too. Uh, so we're supposed to be gently leading people to repentance and actually caring about somebody's soul and being willing to be patient with them to get them to repentance. Uh, and the other Example that we used last week that we should not use was in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And it's talking about things that the Lord hates. And uh, even though these are things that the Lord hates and it's in His Word, it's becoming way too common that we see these things in church. And it's, you know, it's anti Christ behavior. 
uh, verse 16 says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, or, you know, you could say thinking that we're better than others when they walk through the door and we're saved and they're not. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and run into mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. You know, nothing good comes out of any of those things, and that's why the Lord hates them. Uh, we'll, like I keep saying, we'll never lead anybody to the Lord by thinking that we're better than them, lying about them, gossip, gossiping about them, judging them, or arguing with them. Love is what leads people to repentance, and love is what leads people to salvation. Uh, our ministry that God has given us, he, we talked about it last week, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And our ministry has to be the same ministry as God's, the same ministry that Jesus used while he was here. Uh, you know, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, God so loved the world. Uh, one of my favorite verses, Romans 5, God demonstrated his love to us. And that while we were sinners, you know, Christ died for us. And I said last week, uh, you know, we're never going to lead anybody to the Lord by doing things that God hates. That's why I shared that list with you. And uh, the reason I shared it with you last week was if you're doing any of those things, those are things that God hates. And, you know, that should get our attention. And I, I really don't want to do anything that God hates. And if I'm doing those things, I need to stop and uh, take a good look at myself and realize I'm doing something that God hates. And, uh, you know, that should get my attention. It's not okay to do things that the Lord hates. And it's not a very long list, but there's a whole lot in there in the way that we treat other people, in the way that we talk about other people, and, you know, just in the way that we act when certain people are around. God hates those things. And uh, if we see ourselves doing them, we should, we should take care of that. Bring it to God and ask Him to, to help us with it. <coughs> uh, you know, we keep, you've been hearing it a lot in church lately. Jesus is coming back soon. And it may be in our lifetime, and it might not be. But our responsibility as, as the church is to lead as many people to Christ as we can before that time comes. You know, we should be preparing for the return of Christ. Uh, I had somebody text me this morning uh, as a brother of mine. You know, I really love and respect that person. But he texted me at 5 o'clock this morning said, Happy Ascension Day. You know, according to Acts chapter 1, today is the day that Christ ascended into heaven. And I'm praying that he comes back soon. And that, that got me thinking real quick this morning. You know, that's the attitude the whole church should have. We should be excited that Jesus has already ascended, that he's in heaven, and he is coming back. And like I said a minute ago, we don't know when he's coming back. So we should be excited about getting as many people ready to meet him when he gets here as we can. Uh, that is the attitude the whole church should have, excited and eagerly looking for the return of Christ. Uh, that's what Paul is telling Timothy a little further on in Second Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 8. Uh, this is Paul talking about he's at the end of his life, 
He said, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me. And we got to have that mindset too. The prize is not just for me, but it's for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Uh, you know, a lot of people, we get in church, we get our salvation, and we stop right there. Well, I'm good. I'm taking care of my part. Uh, but if we're truly surrendered to Christ, we'll care about other people. Uh, we'll worry about whether or not they know the Lord too, just like Paul said. Or are they eagerly looking for Jesus? Uh, how many of you people know what chatter is when I say chatter? You know, if you've ever watched a spy movie or a, like a, a government agency movie, they, they listen to what they call chatter and see what everybody's talking about. Like I said, you see it on a lot of spy movies and stuff like that, or Secret Service, and they'll, they'll start talking about, we hear a lot of chatter about this or that, and then they put the whole nation on high alert because there's chatter about an upcoming attack or a, a threat of some kind. It's the undertone of what everybody is talking about secretly, but they won't admit it in public. You know, they're good about hiding stuff, especially the government. They're talking about this behind closed doors, but they don't, they don't let the public know about it. Uh, the actual definition of chatter is to talk rapidly or incessantly about trivial matters, uh, to talk nonstop trivial talk. And uh, that's what I want to talk about tonight, you know, is the undertone of the conversation in church that should not be there. Uh, one example of chatter is Jesus said, you know, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. And you can see that in Matthew 24, verse 6. I always try to give you a, a scripture to go with what I'm saying. You know, that he says, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And people take verses like that, and they use them in a negative context, you know. Well, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and they try to scare people and uh, use it as a fear tactic. And that's not what Jesus meant it for. You know, that is what I'm talking about when I say chatter. But Jesus said at the end of that verse, the end is not yet. But unfortunately, you know, that's all we hear about today is wars and rumors of wars and persecution and tribulation and the end times. You know, that is the chatter of the church today. And, you know, like I said a minute ago, that's the undertone. It's the conversation that everybody's having in closed door conversations. But out in the open, you know, we're all smiles and God loves you, but in our hearts and in our minds and in our secret discussions that we have with each other, you know, we're preparing for the worst. And I hear that all the time. And, uh, you know, people won't say it around everybody, but they'll drag a few people off to the side and talk about the end of times and, oh, this is coming and this is coming and just instill fear in one another. The coming of Christ shouldn't put fear in any of us. We should be glad to see him coming. We should be excited about the coming of Christ. And if you're not excited about it, if you're uh, fearful of the coming of Christ, then that's not faith. That is fear of judgment. 
uh, and that's popular in our culture today. You know, if you want to pack a room full, just do a class on doomsday prep or the end of times conspiracy theory. You know, people are drawn to that stuff like flies. And it breaks my heart to hear all those conspiracy theorists talking about stockpiling ammunition and food and everything else and spending every dime they have and every minute they have to save their flesh. And uh, they put all their resources and energy and time in trying to preserve their flesh, and they do very little to save or preserve their souls. You know, the Bible's very clear. Jesus came to save us, but we'd rather focus on saving our bodies and our money and our homes and our land than we would preparing eternity for ourselves. You know, we did a, a couple of messages not long ago, maybe a month ago, about when you see these things start coming to pass, you know, we're not supposed to start a bunch of negative chatter. We're supposed to lift up our heads where our redemption is drawing nigh. We should get excited about this is all going to be over soon and we'll be with Christ. Uh, Luke 21 and verse 28 is the, the verse we used for that in the message that we did. And that's Jesus himself talking. He's saying that when these things begin to come to pass, you know, he don't say get scared and start talking about all the bad things that are coming. He says, look up and lift your heads for your redemption draws nigh. And that, like I said, that's Jesus talking. But unfortunately, we've seen that chatter infiltrate the way into the church. And I'm not talking about just here at Grace. I'm talking about the church worldwide is taking on the I call it the chicken little mindset. You know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And, you know, save yourselves. And, you know, we can't save ourselves. That's why Jesus came. He is our Savior. Uh, if those things are frightening to you, surrender your life to Christ. Get your relationship right with God. And know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Heaven. And that's not, that's not scary anymore. You know, death don't have any hold on us. You know, and no matter what all those people are doing, the doomsday people, no matter what they stockpile, no matter how deep they dig their bunkers, no flesh is going to survive the second coming of Jesus. I mean, none of us are going to be here. The earth is not even going to be here. But our souls are eternal, and that's what we should be preserving. And the Bible is very clear on how we can do that. Uh, and the sky is falling. You know, they're not wrong. And Peter paints a good picture of that for us in Second Peter chapter 3. I want to share those verses with you. In verses 10 through 13, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Like I said, nobody knows when he's coming, but it is for sure that he is coming. In the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. But this, is, this verse here is for us, the ones that do love Christ, the ones that are surrendered to Christ, and we're looking forward to his coming it says nevertheless we 
<clears throat> According to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. <clears throat> I love that last verse there, verse 13. Nevertheless, or, you know, even so those things are coming, they shouldn't scare us or worry us one bit because God promised us a new heaven and a new earth. So we shouldn't be spending all our time and our resources trying to take care of and save what we have here. You know, the most important thing we have here is a choice to receive Christ as our Savior and our Lord. You know, that shouldn't scare us because God has promised us a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So our focus shouldn't be on our flesh. It should be on righteousness. That is what is going to inherit the new earth. Our focus shouldn't be on saving our skin. It should be making sure our new names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if we want to protect ourselves, uh, Paul gives us a pretty good instruction on how to do that. I want to share that with you. In uh, Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, I did have it just 12, Travis, but I moved it back to 11 because I think that that goes on along with it. In verse 11, it says, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You know, I keep saying that Jesus is coming back, and nobody knows when he's coming back, but we know today it's, it's closer than it was yesterday, and tomorrow it's going to be closer than it is today. But Paul is saying the night is far spent, the day is at hand. It's getting closer and closer. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and not in chambering and wantonness and not in strife and envying. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, and I said all that up to this point just to lay down some background about what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, so you'd have a clear idea of what we're talking about. You know, we've been talking about chatter. We've been talking about persecution and tribulation in the last days. And, uh, you know, most people, when they're preaching about those things, and I've heard it preached like this. They preach that in the last times, God's wrath is going to be poured out. Or that the devil is getting stronger. And that's why the earth is getting so bad. But... That's not the truth, and that's not what God's Word says. And I want to share with you the truth and what it does say. You know, we're in the age of grace right now. God's wrath won't happen until the day of judgment comes after Christ's return. You know, it's clear about that. Nobody's going to be judged until the day of judgment. Uh, right now, we're in the age of grace. We have the opportunity, if you haven't sur surrendered to Christ, to do so. And if you have sinned, you have the opportunity to be forgiven for it so god's wrath has is not being poured out and uh, the devil is not getting stronger satan was defeated at the cross christ has already overcame him uh, things are, are going to wax worse the bible's really clear about that but it's going to be men and women doing it lives that are not surrendered to the lord like we've been talking about for a few weeks 
causing damage, causing the collateral damage. We had a whole message on that just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's selfish people that are not surrendered to Christ is why the world's getting worse and worse and worse. We're growing further and further as a society away from God. And when we get away from God, it's just natural that the earth is going to get worse and worse. Uh, going back to verse 12 in Romans 13, it says, I'll read that again. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, so let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Paul's telling us, don't be a part of the darkness that we're seeing in the world today. You know, don't be a contributor to the world getting worse and worse. It's going to do that, and it will be caused by men and women, but we don't have to be that man or that woman. You know, we can be the ones that are shining our light, like that verse is saying. Uh, we can put on our armor of light, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, Pastor Josh has been preaching on Sundays. You know, if you really want to protect your loved ones, then put on Jesus and don't take him off. And he's talking about Ephesians, you know, from uh, chapter 4 through chapter 6. That's what it's talking about is our relationships and how to protect those things. And putting on Jesus, living for Jesus, being obedient to him. That is how we do that. Uh, now, our scripture for tonight is, it's going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Like I said, uh, the Bible does say it is going to get worse. And verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. But I want to share the next few verses with you uh, that tell us where it's coming from. It's not coming from the devil. It's coming from selfish, ungodly people. Uh, when I read these, pay attention to these verses as we read them together. And I mean really pay attention to them because I want to read this verse first. Jesus says himself in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 that he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. And that's the exact came, uh, type of people that he's talking about. You know, if I'm professing God but living for the world, then I'm leading people astray. And uh, if I'm not witnessing for Christ, then I'm scattering people abroad. That's why the world is waxing worse and worse. So here we go. I'll share the rest of those verses with you. In 2 Timothy, I'll read verse 1 again, and then I want to read all the way through verse 7. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And here's why. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, there's a lot in those verses. And if you read through them, 
you're probably thinking to yourself, that is exactly what the world looks like today. And uh, it really is the way the world looks like today. Uh, if you go back to verse 5, Travis, you know, Paul is telling him, he's telling Timothy, if they have a form of godliness, you know, if you've got, he's, he's training Timothy to be a pastor is what he's doing. And he's telling if you got people that are, if they come to church and they say they're a Christian, but their hearts are full of bitterness and wrath and hate and unforgiveness and false teachings, Turn away from them. You know, they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. They are the enemies of Christ. You know, we just we just got through reading where Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. You know, that's heavy stuff, and I know it is, but it's the truth. Uh, if you're missing out on the joy of the Lord, find out why. You know, if you're surrendered to Christ, you should get secure in your salvation, but you don't have any joy in the Lord. There is a reason for that. You know, those verses are in God's Word for a reason. And I tell you all the time, they're not there to put you down. They are not there to judge you. They're not there to condemn you. They're there to free us from the things that are keeping us from being fully surrendered to the Lord. You know, we can't have those things in our hearts, in our lives, and be fully surrendered to Christ at the same time. Uh, you know, I tell you almost every week, that's a choice we make. You know, we can either do things my way, I can keep my will, or I can surrender it to God and be uh, be obedient to Him. But we can't do both. If you'll read, uh, if you'll put up verse 5 in the New Living Translation, Travis, there it is. The same verse in the NLT says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that, you know. It says, if we're rejecting the power, that can make us godly. So, you know, if that's you, stop rejecting the power that can make you godly. And uh, do what it says in First John 1, 9. Bring it to God and confess it. And like I keep telling you, God's not going to judge you or condemn you. He's faithful. He's going to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do, is get rid of unrighteousness so we can live a godly life. But you can't live a godly life without the Holy Spirit. And you can't be fully surrendered to Christ and uh, keep your will at the same time. Uh, like it says there in the end of 1 John 1, 9, God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, you remember the verse we just read in 2 Peter chapter 3? Verse 13, where it's talking about the new heaven and the new earth, there is where righteousness was going to dwell. You know, it's not talking about this earth. It's talking about the one to come. And if we bring all these things to God and confess them and let him remove all the unrighteousness from us and cleanse us, then we can look forward to what God has in store for us instead of dreading the day of judgment and living in fear of Christ's return. So... You know, like I tell you all the time, we have a choice to make. We can be in the number we just read about in Second Timothy chapter 3 that is causing the perilous times, or we can be part of God's plan that we read about last week in Second Timothy 2, leading people to repentance. And uh, I would much rather be in that group. There really are only two choices. You know, we can be selfish or we can be godly. We can't be both at the same time. You know, I, 
I tell you this all the time, too, that getting up here and preaching messages like this are not easy, but they are the truth. You know, I don't want to stand before Jesus one day, and, and I will be held accountable for every everything I preach, and uh, so will everybody else that preaches. And I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and be guilty of not telling you the truth that he laid on my heart. Uh, <coughs> And uh, like I told you, the whole book of Second Timothy and First Timothy is Paul talking to Timothy. He's training him how to be a pastor. And uh, that's what he's doing to him. He's teaching him how to preach the truth. And I want to share some of that with you. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, you know, Paul knew it would be hard for Timothy, just like it's hard for me, to confront people with the truth. And that's why he's... He tells him this. In verse 1 and 2, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Uh, like I said, he knew it would be hard for Timothy to confront people. That's why he told him, I'm telling you to do this before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we'll go on and read uh, verses 3 and 4, he tells him why. He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know, if we don't preach the truth, people will go on being deceived to the point that they think they're godly. They think they're okay. And uh, we see that all over the place. And if we don't tell them the truth and they think they're okay, they're not going to change. And they'll wind up going to hell because of false teaching that has crept into the church. And I don't want that to happen here. I want you to know... I want you to know the truth. And like I said, it's not easy to get up here and preach this stuff. But I'm not going to get up here and preach messages that make you feel good. I want you to, to know the truth. Just like Paul is telling Timothy there. You know, a good example in our society today is homosexuality. You know, God's Word says it's wrong. Uh, but not only is it accepted today, it's accepted in the churches today. You know, some churches openly welcome homosexuality. They got openly homosexual pastors preaching themselves. And, uh, you know, that's just one area. There's an unending list of things that are being preached from the pulpit that go against God's Word all over the world today. And that's deceiving people all over the world into thinking that they're right with God. You know, you can even ask somebody, how do you think you're right with God? Because my preacher said I am. Yeah, but you're doing this. Well, my preacher said it's okay. We have to know the Word of God for ourselves and uh, not take people's word for it because there are a lot of false teachers out there. And I hope and I pray you never find one here. And uh, those people think they're okay and they're heading for destruction. That's why I never give you my opinion on anything. You know, I only want to give you the truth of God's Word. Uh, Romans 1 is talking about that in verses 24 and 25. And this verse is talking about 
homosexuality, but it says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is forever blessed. So God, the truth of God's Word is being perverted and changed into a lie, just like it says right there all over the world. But before we go to judge anybody, uh, Romans 2, verse 1, the very next verse, says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges, for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you that judges do the same things. It says we do the same thing. Whether it's homosexuality or lying or gossip or any of those things, when we change the truth of God's Word into a lie and say this is okay for you to do this, then we're just as guilty. You know, God's Word says what it says. We can't twist it and pervert it to mean what we want it to mean. We have to take it for what God meant it to mean and uh, be obedient to it. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. You know, like I said, if we can't judge others, then we're guilty ourselves. And uh, Peter's telling us we need to get it right in the church before we ever try to take it to the lost people and bring them to Christ. He said, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Well, Peter's saying before we judge anybody else, let's take a good look at ourselves. And Jesus said that too. I want to share that with you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, Or how will you say to your brother, Let me pull a mote out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First cast the beam out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. You know, we read a little while ago in Romans 13 and verse 12 uh, where Paul's telling us to cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. You know, you can't mix those two. You can't miss darkness and light. If you bring in the light, it expels the darkness. Or you can choose the darkness and stay out of the light. But you cannot mix those two. So I would like for you this week to be a, a week of self-examination, you know? Is there something in your life that's keeping you from being fully surrendered to Christ and being the light that we're supposed to be? Or are we adding to the darkness? Are we adding to the perilous times that are coming? Because we're either on one side or we're on the other. We're either causing damage or we're causing healing. Uh, you know, is there unforgiveness that I just keep ignoring in my life? And figure if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Whether you face it or ignore it, if you don't deal with it, it's still in your heart. And it will have a consequence to it. It'll, it'll affect how you treat other people. It'll affect your whole person. A resentment that you won't admit. A secret sin that you won't confess. Or what I see more of than anything is a worldly mindset that I won't renounce and say that's not godly just because everybody else is doing it and just because it's socially acceptable. That don't mean it's godly. That don't mean it's right. And that don't mean it's acceptable in God's eyes. This world will accept just about anything, but that does not make it godly. 
And before you say that's what everybody else thinks, uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 21, I love that one. It says, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. You know, it was the crowd that crucified Jesus. That didn't make the crowd right. He was still Lord. He was still our Messiah. He was still our Savior. The crowd will get you in trouble. Uh, you know, let God's Word be the authority in your life. Not the popular vote and not the crowd and not popular culture. You know, like I keep saying, this is not a godly world we live in. We can't look to society for direction. The only place we're going to find good direction, society will give you direction, but it's going to lead you in the wrong direction. Only God's Word can give us good direction. And, uh, you know, I'll bring it to a close with this. Deceived means by definition that you don't know you're deceived. You know, there may be something in my life or there may be something in your life that's holding you down that you're not even aware of. And a good thing to do on a regular basis, and I have to do this too, is take these couple of verses from Psalms and prayerfully read these to God and mean it from your heart uh, instead of judging yourself and let God judge you. You know, if I judge myself, I'm very capable of justifying how I feel. I'm very capable of justifying what I do. And it's really easy to find somebody to agree with you if you want to. But if you want the truth and you really want to get the things out of your life that are not pleasing to God, go to Psalm 139 and uh, prayerfully read these two verses to God. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I promise you, if you really pray those two verses to God and mean it, He will put a finger on something just that fast. He'll show you what He's not pleased with, and uh, then it's on you. You have a choice whether or not <clears throat> to be obedient to Him and get rid of that stuff or ignore the Holy Spirit and uh, just keep on doing what you're doing. I did that for a long time. Got me in a lot of trouble. My life was miserable. And if you're miserable, there's a very good chance God's telling you to do something and you just haven't haven't done it yet. And uh, like I said, I'm not up here pointing fingers at anybody. I did that myself. But if I let God judge me, like I said, then I have a choice to do what He says. And uh, He's faithful. He'll, he won't judge you. He'll forgive you and cleanse you. Or I can willfully disobey Him. And I know that's heavy stuff, but I want you to have true freedom, knowing that you're right with God, not just pretending you are. And I want you to really be able to eagerly look forward to His return instead of living every day just putting on a fake smile when you're constantly fighting something on the inside of you. You know, I've been there. That is no fun. And God can and will free you from that. And you really can have peace of mind and truly be able to rest in the Lord. But it all starts with surrendering yourself to the Lord. You know, I tell you all the time, only you and God know the answer to that. You know, we can tell people we're saved all day. We can tell people 
we're being obedient to God all day long. We can fool people, but we cannot fool God. And uh, coming to church and going through the motions does not save you. Uh, trying to convince others that you're living a godly life does not save you. You know, all that will do is make you miserable and it'll wear you out because you know you know the truth on the inside and uh, that will wear you out and make you miserable. And like I told you, I know I've been there, but there is freedom. You know, let it all out. Come clean before God. And like I keep telling you, God will not judge you or condemn you. He will forgive you and uh, cleanse you like we just read in John 1, 9. But if you have never truly surrendered your life to Christ, I would urge you to do that. Like I said, if you really love your family and you want them to come to Christ, we've got to be fully surrendered ourselves before they're going to take us seriously. And so if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or if you've been deceiving yourself and everybody else for years and told them that you were, but you're really not. I would urge you to do that because you're not going to fool God when we're standing before Him. And if you're watching online and you've never had the opportunity to give your life to God and you'd like to do that, I want to share some verses with you that the Bible tells us how we do surrender to Christ. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And uh, to simplify that a little bit, all that means is, if you know you need God, just cry to God and tell him, I need you. You know, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I need a Savior. And God will hear you right where you are. And uh, it's today is the day you're doing that. It says in verse 10, with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody, I've gave my life to Christ today. And when you confess that you've given your life to Christ, you are saved. You know, the Bible is very clear about that. And don't let people tell you that you've been too bad too long, you went too far, you messed up, uh, not even God can save you. I heard that in my own life too. Uh, Romans ten thirteen says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, that ain't in my notes, Travis, but Romans three twenty three says, Everybody has come short of the glory of God. Uh, we, we've all sinned. There's not a person been born since Adam that was not born in sin. So don't let anybody tell you too bad. We all need saved. We all need Jesus Christ. And uh, don't let people tell you you got to straighten up before you go to church and get it together. Romans 5, 8 is one of my favorite verses. It says, God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we could get it together on our own, then we wouldn't need a Savior. We wouldn't need a God. We all need God, and God knew that. And that's why he sent Christ while we were still sinners to die for us and save us. So don't let anybody tell you you're unsavable. Jesus Christ can save anybody and everybody. That's why he came. And uh, God's not mad at you. God loves you. And he's just waiting on you to come to him. 
He's always been waiting on you. God's not mad at you. Don't let people tell you that he is. But I hope this message helped somebody. It really helped me this week to take a closer look at myself. And it's easy in the society that we live in. Uh, it's easy to go along with culture. It's easy to go with the flow. And before you know it, you got things in your life that should not be there. And, uh, you know, things that don't seem that bad on the surface. But if we don't get them out of our lives, they'll lead us to something else that'll lead to something else. And before we know it, we're running with the crowd that is ungodly. And uh, I wouldn't wish that on nobody. We have to be on guard all the time to make sure that our relationship with God is where it needs to be. You know, Jesus said, blessed is the servant that when he does come, is doing what he says to do. And I pray that will be all of us when he gets here. But that's my message for tonight. I hope it helps somebody. Uh, thank you all for being here if you're here in person. And thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, I thank you again for helping me to get up here and preach your word that you gave me. Lord, I pray that uh, hearts will receive this, minds will receive this, and I pray that you'll help us to remember these things, God. And uh, not just remember them, I pray that you really will help us, God, to examine ourselves and uh, bring ourselves before you, Lord, and ask you to point out anything in us that offends you or anything that's hindering us from serving you, God, and being the the witnesses or the examples that we're supposed to be for you. And God, I pray that when you do show us these things, that you'd give us the courage to act on them, Lord, and uh, give, you the, give you the authority to remove these things from our life. And uh, not only give you the authority, Lord, but help us to find the willingness to surrender these things to you and to let them go and uh, to choose your way over our own way. And Lord, I just pray that that brings glory to your name and brings us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.